Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. He'll hit Corey Watson with it. He'll sidestep one tackler and gets to the 20. Corey Watson inside the 10. Touchdown, Eskimo. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Hey, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Oilers getting ready to face the New York Islanders. Milan Lucic did not practice today. Head coach Todd McClellan saying the big man who finally scored on Monday against the Arizona Coyotes is questionable as he deals with an illness. And, of course, Jordan Eberle back in town to face the Oilers as a visitor for the first time. You will hear from him. A lot to talk about with Jordan Eberle. We're going to get to that in about 30 seconds. First of all, NHL scoreboard Calgary leading Buffalo 2-0 with five and a half minutes left in the first period. Bennett and Jankowski, the goal scorers. Of course, the Flames, they've dropped off a little bit lately, struggling without Mike Smith in net. They come into the night three points behind L.A. for the second wildcard spot in the Western Conference. The Flames, who've been a really good road team, will try to keep that going tonight against the Buffalo Sabres. Two games still to come. The Penguins take on the Flyers. It starts in a few minutes. And later on, Vancouver will host Arizona. The Canucks without Brock Besser, possibly for the rest of the season, with that lower back injury suffered against the Islanders on Monday. Western Hockey League the Oil Kings after a tough loss last night in Saskatoon. Early goal in Prince Albert. They lead it 1-0. The game is only two and a half minutes old. Raptors about to tip off against the Pistons. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630. Ched, happy to hear from you tonight. I'm sure you might have some thoughts on Eberly, on Strom, on their play, on the trade, on what you expect from Strom going forward. Well, we'll have some uh, clips from him as we move along throughout the evening. But, uh, yes, a lot of the focus on number seven, not number 14. He wears number seven with the New York Islanders, Jordan Eberle. Spandemir slides it off the wall, two on one. Here's Eberle. Eberle back at her. What a beautiful goal. The toe drag from forehand to backhand. And the Edmonton Oilers extend to a 2 nothing lead. Jordan Eberle. Wow. Yeah, we're just a more veteran team. I think guy to guy, um, you know, Nugent, Hopkins, to myself. Um, the guys that have been here for a while have really had to change our games to, to adapt to, to a winning uh, winning style. And, 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 I, and I feel strongly like we're complete players now, and, and, and it's helping. So I think a lot of that has to do with Todd. Um, he, he's really pushed us to, to do that. Everly starts with a rush down the right wing, a shot off the pads of Bachman, the rebound, Lucic. Fed Nugent, Hopkins, back door, and a hat trick for Jordan Everly. The second of his NHL career, and Edmonton's pouring it 
it, Rogers. So that, Everly's first NHL goal, a post-game comment from last March when the Oilers clinched a playoff spot by beating the Los Angeles Kings and what turned out to be his last goal as an Edmonton Oiler, hat-trick against the Vancouver Canucks in the final game of the regular season. Of course, as I'm sure you know, he did not score in the playoffs. 507 games as an Oiler for Jordan Everly. Islanders uh, flew in today from Vancouver. They practiced at 2 o'clock at the downtown community arena and then uh, Everly uh, met with the media and uh, he was talking about what he expects from the fans tomorrow night at Rogers Place. Really not sure what to expect. Um, you know, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, you know, like I had mentioned, I got a lot of good memories here. Um, enjoyed my time here. Uh, still tons of friends on the team. And, um, you know, this, the fans and, and everybody, it's, it's an awesome place to play. So, um, you know, I know the crowd, uh, hopefully, uh, you know, they're hopefully not booing me, that's for sure. Uh, hopefully they give me a warm welcome. Well, I don't think there'll be any booing. I, I think the fans will welcome Jordan Everly back. Edmonton fans tend to be like that. Sometimes it gets a little... I, I always notice the first touch. The, the I'm sure there'll be something on the scoreboard for Everly. That'll bring out the cheers. Sometimes later in the game, there are the boos just to remind you, hey, now we've noticed you've, you're wearing a different shirt, so we want the Oilers to win. But I, I'm sure the fans are going to be very kind to Jordan Everly. Doug Waite, the former Oiler, is now his head coach, and he's quite thrilled to have Everly on the roster. His offensive uh, production would probably be like the third or fourth thing out of my uh it comes across my lips just in, in being pleased with him. Uh, just been a, a great addition uh, in every area of the game. I think he's been great with uh, Matt Barzell. They've developed a great chemistry, but I think he's he's been a, a bit of a mentor and taught him a lot and he's been very patient with Matt and helped him uh, defensively, uh, gritty, just a real good forechecker, smart hockey player, and, uh, you know, his numbers are, uh, you know, emulating how he's playing all over the puck and uh, just a great kid so you know I can't uh, can't say enough about him you know I found that really interesting and I think there was growth in Jordan Eberle's game last season but Doug Waite described Eberle as gritty defensively and a strong forechecker and if there were two areas where Eberle was often criticized during his time in Edmonton it was his defensive play and sometimes it was his uh, his inability to consistently forecheck so I don't know if Doug Waite is, is deflecting a little bit there or uh, well you know players get older they get smarter they get a little tougher they, they figure things out but, but I found that very interesting and Jordan Eberle especially uh, last year, well, I mean, the whole time, really, it was often there were periods where he was criticized, where his play was debated a little bit more. I know from doing overtime open line with Rob Brown, um, you know, Rob always says, always said, Jordan Everly gets points, and a lot of offensive players have drawbacks in their team, and there were there were some of you who didn't like Everly, who were tired of him. You know, didn't think he was tough enough, didn't think he played strong enough defensively. And, and Rob would always say, "There's, but there's always going to be room on the team, on teams, for guys who get points, even if they might lack in other areas. And now that Everly is, is gone, yeah, a lot of people are saying, well, golly gee whiz, we missed those points because he might have some tough nights or sometimes he might take a couple minuses, but then there might be the night where he gets two points or three points and that helps win the game. So... Uh, it, it's one of those interesting debates with a player like this. I, I, I will say this, and I often said this about Everly, and, and, I, and I, I'm looking forward to seeing him tomorrow uh, play play in person. 
Uh, I, I will say this about Everly. I, I found that he was, you know, a pretty good offensive player. He clearly had down numbers last year, uh, just 51 points in 82 games. He had a couple of years over 60. Obviously, way back in 11-12, he was almost a point a game, 34 goals, 76 points in 78 games. And, and I always found, talking to a lot of fans too and interpreting what they were saying about Jordan Everly, I think a lot of the frustration came from the fact that he had a skill set that he was very good at, but other parts of his game didn't seem to develop. There was the desire for him to have a one-timer. He talked about having a one-timer. He never really took a lot of one-time shots in games. Uh, And he didn't really, his defensive awareness and his checking ability didn't really seem to improve as he got older until last year. You know, I, I thought he was better at it last year, especially in the second half of the season. So he was always a very interesting player to talk about. I, I found, uh, I found especially once uh, Hall and Yakupov and Schultz were, were no longer on the team, uh, his play was was often hotly debated. There was a point, and I, and I try not to talk about too much of this kind of stuff because I don't want to get too behind the scenes. But just from a personal standpoint, I, I found you probably remember last year the Oilers started really well. And then in November, they had a five-game losing streak. And Everly had some tough games in there. You may remember there was a goal Dallas scored where he was well behind the guy he was supposed to check who scored, and he threw his head back in the air. Like, he knew he made the mistake, but he wasn't in the right place. And a lot of people were really on him. And I I was – Rob and I did a couple – we could have done a couple entire shows on Jordan Everly. And I remember there was a point where I was like, okay, I'm not – we're – I mean, we can't just do the whole show on people heaping on Jordan Everly. There's other things to talk about. There, the 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 text line especially was people heaping on him. There was even, and this this surprised me sometimes that people go to these links. There was a guy last year who, for a stretch of games, would text in insults and criticisms of Jordan Everly and would sign a different name to make it seem like, oh, there's 15 people going after Jordan Everly, whereas really it was there might have been six people. You know, five people, and then this one guy sending 10 texts. But he didn't realize on the text line, I can see the phone number it's coming from. So obviously, uh, he didn't fool me. But that's the that's the extent some people would go to uh, to try to bash this player at times. 780-496-0063. We have Elvis on the line. Hey, Elvis. Hey, Reed. You know what? It's, it's funny you're talking about this because uh, Jordan Everly, can you imagine if he was on this team this year and they were they were doing the same thing they're doing right now, how much of a whipping boy he'd be? It seems like this city has a whipping boy all the time. Right now, it seems like people are down on uh, both and on Chris Russell, and now the, all the talks about trading uh, Clefbaum. I I look at Jordan Eberle and I look at Taylor Hall. They made their moves. They did. They were good here. Jordan Eberle, in my opinion, disappeared in the playoffs because he was wasn't used to playing in the playoffs, obviously, um, and he wasn't a strong player and and when was was weaker on the puck. But we said, and I, I remember calling into you, and I remember you saying this, and everybody, uh, we talked about it. Yeah, take away those goals or whatever. He was down last the last year he played, but you have to replace those goals, and we failed to do that on the right side. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, th- I think we all knew Strom wasn't going to get as many points, but I think there was, you know, Shirelli was gambling on some other guys like Kajula or Slepeshev scoring a little more, and they clearly haven't been able to do that. Strom's playing better lately, and, and we're going to get into that. I just think Elvis in general, um, 
you, you know, you, you kind of always, I think it's just human nature, you, you, you covet things you don't have and you don't appreciate what you do have sometimes. And, and like I said, the more people saw Eberly in this city, and I'm generalizing, I realize, but I think sometimes when you see a player for two, three hundred, four hundred games, you start to focus more on his weaknesses than his strengths, especially when the team hasn't been good, right? And uh, heck, you know what? Six months ago, people were calling in telling me Mike Riley needed to be benched because the Eskimos had lost three, four games in a row. So it 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 can happen to anybody. But I, you know, I, I think Jordan is maturing as a player. I think he has added another dimension to his game. I do think with the Oilers, you know, I think a lot of the fan base wishes that they would have seen that dimension a, a little earlier in his career. But yeah, you know, I've watched I've watched some of his games that he's played on the island just to, you know, just because I happen to be channel surfing or whatever, and uh, Barzell and whatever, and it doesn't look like they're going to make the playoffs everything. And, like, I don't think so anyway. It doesn't look like but, they will, no. They've only won five yeah. of their last 19 games. Yeah, but if, but, 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 if, but if you look at it, it's like, like uh, you look at the teams that are, that are, like, the biggest thing for me is I hope that when it comes to Clefbaum, I hope that we don't uh, let Shirelli, uh do any trade like with Clefbaum or with Nuge or whatever? Like I, I, I'm not comfortable in that. And I'll listen and see what you say about that. But please don't trade that good contract. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, and that's Clefbaum's fair. Elvis. Got a great, great contract. Thanks, Reed. All right, thanks, buddy. That's Elvis seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We do have open line time. We have uh, more comments from Eberly. He he was asked about uh, some of the negative energy he felt in Edmonton last year and how he how that affected his confidence. He's going to elaborate on that a little bit, and you'll hear from Matthew Barzell and Ryan Strom. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Oilers Islanders tomorrow night. 5.30 face-off show here on 6.30 Chad Game at 7, presented by the Furnace Family. Edmonton's Furnace Replacement Experts call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. You can text 6.30-6.30. Uh, this texter says, uh, Hey, Reed, team chemistry is a fickle thing. I do think Eberly leaving did have a negative impact that has contributed to what happened this year, however. That's a text of 63630. Sign your name or a handle if you can. It's more likely I'll read it. Like Bretsky always does. He says, uh, hey, Reed and Kellen, I keep hearing how the remaining games are just garbage time. Well, I would think the game tomorrow would be one that both teams would be into for pride and for the Eberly-Strom matchup. I think it could be a very entertaining and high-scoring game. That is a uh, text from Bretsky. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a good one tomorrow night. Well, uh, you're allowed to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give you, your t- I'll give you your TV privileges back, Kellen. Just right for, on. Just for this game. All right. Cool. <laughs> uh, Newey says, hey, Reed, I love when people rip on the pros. It makes me laugh knowing they have never uh, have either never played at all or never at a high level. Those who have played higher levels always give the pros the respect they deserve uh, knowing how much it takes to get there. That is a text from Nui. Well, I'll say this, Nui. If you're, if you're a fan, I don't think there's anything wrong with being, uh, being critical. Fans get emotional. Fans get upset. I'll tell you this. I have never made a movie in my life. I've never directed a film. I have never written a screenplay. I've never acted in a film. I've never even been the gaffer or the best buy. 
but if I go see a movie and you ask me what I thought of it, I will be happy to tell you if I thought it sucked. Best boy. So you're allowed to be a... What did I say? Best buy. Oh. Well, <laughs> you know, I can also... If they were filming it at Best Buy. Sure. So I'm easily confused. Uh, but anyway, hey, hey, you know what? You can, you can be critical of players. I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. You know, mean-spirited or, or uh, you know, abusive. I, I think there's obviously a, a different line there. But hey, if you see a player and you, and you don't think he's doing his job or you want to be critical, I, mean, I think you can talk about it. That, that, that's, that's fair. I don't think you have to have played in the NHL to necessarily uh, have an opinion on, on NHLers. But yes, there is a line, and we do try to stay on the right side of it on this program. Uh, Jordan Eberle had this to say a couple of months ago. The Edmonton media can be pretty brutal and your confidence goes, and this is a game you can't play if you don't have confidence. It's that simple. It's the Edmonton Oilers and everything around it. When you read articles every day about how much you suck, it's tough. Everly went on to say, you can't ignore it. It affects you, and I lost my confidence. The biggest thing for me since I got here with the Islanders is trying to get that back. So uh, he was asked today about that quote and about some of the scrutiny in Edmonton compared to Long Island. I, I, obviously, you're not being watched this closely, that's for sure. But, um, you know, it, just playing in the Long Island market, I think doesn't get enough praise for you know the fan base there and whatnot. But obviously, the media attention is not as high level as it is here. Um, you know, I think for me last year, uh, obviously struggling and then not very not playing well at all in the playoffs and, and getting criticized and obviously rightfully so. Um, you know, it's not it's never fun to have that, but it's just the way it goes. And and uh, I think when you don't have that in in, uh, in Long Island as much, you can maybe. Uh, you know, gets your confidence a little bit more, and, and obviously things have been going a little well there as far as putting the puck in the net. And want to continue that? Did you feel like uh, did you feel like it was unfair for you here no, at times? No, no, not at all. And I've always said that it's never been unfair. It's it's just how it is. Um, I've always mentioned that you know my time here was awesome in Edmonton. The media has never been unfair. They they just show you how it is. You know, if you're not playing well, they're going to tell you. And and. Uh, you know, I, I've always, uh, like I mentioned, enjoyed my time in Edmonton. It was awesome. I think it was this place where they um, gave me a start and gave me an opportunity to, to play in and come in and turn into the player that I am. And and, uh, and, I, and I was happy to get a chance to do the playoffs last year. I think I would have um, uh, gone through my time here without some playoff time. And, and uh, from the guys that had uh, gone through it before and said how awesome City Witch it was, um, I would have been a little bit disappointed, but that being said, it was disappointed the way I played in the playoffs. Too. All right, so uh, Everly standing in there about that, and he, he did say he never thought he was treated unfairly, though obviously he did reference a couple of months ago that some of the uh, criticism did get to get to him. Uh, Nugent Hopkins, now the longest-serving Oiler. I, I asked him about that Everly quote and how he deals with the criticism. Can't buy into it. I, I stay away from uh, um most social media. I mean, when especially when things aren't going well for the team. I mean, um, that's when uh, people are going to say stuff, and uh, that's when negative comments are going to be flying around. So um, it's easy to fall into it. My first couple of years, I might have got a little frustrated and um, and down when uh, you see that stuff, especially coming from junior. I mean, it's it's on a much larger scale here. So um, now I, I've I'm pretty good at just staying away from it all and um, not even seeing that stuff and uh, if I do see something just kind of laugh it off or um, not uh, not give into it. All right, a little bit there from Nugent Hopkins, who has a couple points since coming back from injury. We have uh, a little more on Ryan Strome. We'll look at the other side of the trade. You can continue to text 63630 or call 780 496 0063. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. 
Hi, this is Ryan Eugene Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Interesting story here. The Carolina Hurricanes are moving general manager Ron Francis into a new position, and they're looking to replace him. The Hurricanes have confirmed this move. So Ron Francis will remain with the Hurricanes as president of hockey operations. The new general manager will report directly to the new owner, Tom Dundon. Uh, Carolina had some hopes to uh, make the playoffs. They're hovering 69 points. Four out of the playoffs at the moment. Uh, they're two ahead of the Islanders who are six out. So that's an interesting story there developing tonight. On the scoreboard, Flames up 2-0 on the Sabres. Second period just started. Penguins and Flyers are scoreless about 12 minutes in. Oil Kings in Prince Albert and Edmonton leads that one. 2-1 after the first period. Raptors lead the Pistons 27-23 that game after the first quarter. Trucker Dave texting in. In the two blowout games I attended this season, Ryan Strom was one of the few Oilers who caught my attention. He's got more game, and I think he'll be a good Oiler for years to come. That is from Trucker Dave. Red Boots texting in. He says, I I think a misguided push from Daryl Cates himself to get rid of players associated with the dark decade influenced getting rid of Eberle. Yeah, I don't know if I don't know if the owner was pulling any strings on some of these moves. I, I think they hired Shirelli to run the team to do hockey operations, and, and he decided to do that. I, I think I, there may have been something to that that you, you're changing the identity a little bit and and moving on from players who um, were sort of associated with with tough times. But but I think I think I think with Everly contract and style of play. Probably was were the were the deciding factors for the move, but yeah, sometimes when a team has been bad for a long time and you get new management and coaches, they they do try to change the the identity. Some of the guys who have been through the tough times that does happen for sure. One guy who's been discussed a lot this season. Th- this might be th- this might there 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 may have never been a player. Well, probably I don't want to say never. But in my time doing this show, I don't know there's ever been a player discussed so much who uh, never played for the Edmonton Oilers. And that is Matthew Barzell. And you know why I'm bringing this up. He was drafted 16th overall by the Islanders in 2015. That was the year the Oilers traded that pick and a second rounder to the New York Islanders for Griffin Reinhardt, who's now on Vegas's farm team. And Barzell happens to be the leading candidate to win the Calder Trophy as Rookie of the Year. He also happens to be the New York Islanders' leading scorer. Yeah, he's ahead of John Tavares and a bunch of other good players. So uh, Barzell came out, spoke to the media today. You guys are going to get a kick out of this if you haven't already seen what I tweeted about it. I said to Barzell, I said, hey, you know, what do you think of the whole, that that pick was, that the Islanders used was originally the Oilers, and, and you read some of the what-ifs about that. Yeah, I mean, you see it, you know, you see it on a... Uh um, Twitter and whatnot, a little bit here and there. So, I mean, I think that's kind of in the past now. So I don't, I don't think anyone really is dwelling on it too much. Oh, young and innocent Matthew Barzell. <laughs> I don't, I don't think anybody's dwelling on it too much. <laughs> Have you ever read a blog by an Oilers fan, Matthew? <laughs> This is a fan base that still talks about Steve Kelly and Shane Doan. 
That was over two decades ago. Oh, Matthew Barzell. I was going to say, we should send them some links to some Overtime Open Line podcasts from this season. So well, people haven't to. brought it too much uh, too, too much on Overtime Open Line, but uh, he's, a, he's an yeah. innocent lad, plays for the New York Islanders. Oh, it's good if he's keeping his eye off the internet and not paying attention to what's being said about him at Edmonton. He's, he's an amazing player, yeah. exciting player. He's, he's been paired up quite a bit with Everly this season. Now, is he the Rookie well. of the Year favorite? Yes, now he's the Rookie of the Year favorite, no doubt about it. That was a little bit there for Matthew Barzell. So the other side of the trade, Ryan Strome. And i got to admit, I, earlier this season, I was probably as hard on Strome as I have been on anybody. I called Ryan Strome an inconsequential player. Well, lately he hasn't been. He has a point a game. And he's been helping kill penalties, and the penalty kill has been much better lately, 27 out of 29 the last nine games, which is pretty good. Uh, but Ryan Strom came out to talk to the media today, and as I often do <laughs> in a variety of situations, I made it awkward. Here's how the scrum started, thanks to yours truly. So, Ryan, uh, did you pay a lot of attention to how Jordan Everton has been doing this season? I don't know. Uh, I, that's a pretty uh, direct question, I guess. But um, yeah, I think when you get traded, you're aware of who you're traded for, and um, you know, I know we've had our issues here to deal with more than anything. But um, obviously, I, I'm a guy that keeps tabs on you know the rest of the league. I think most guys are pretty aware of what's going on, um, especially when you get traded. You follow your old team and stuff. So I wouldn't say. Uh, too fanboyish or anything like that, like you might try to have implied there, but uh, um, yeah, you obviously are aware of uh, who you're trading for. No, I didn't mean, I didn't mean I'm just kidding. If you guys are going to give it to me, I've got to give it to you. Yeah, that's, right? fine. that's fine. All right, that was actually, that was actually pretty good. Uh, I mean, he's not stupid. He knows, he, he knows what's going on, but he has been playing uh, better lately, and he commented on why. Yeah, you know what? I don't think it's anything too special. Me and Todd had a talk, uh, just kind of, you know, you know, kind of what your role is on the team. I think that uh, being put on the penalty kill has been a big uh, responsibility for me and something I take a lot of pride in. And, um, you know, playing center, I, I, I honestly haven't played this much center this year as in the rest of my career. So it's nice to kind of have that uh, consistent position the last little while. And I thought, you know, the third line's grown a little bit. And, you know, try to have a little bit of an identity and also be on the power play too. You get some touches, you feel good about you know, your game, get some confidence. And, um, you know, in all, I think just solidifying those roles. I mean, the season isn't, isn't over yet. We've got a lot to play for. We've got a lot to work out for next year. And yeah, I'm one of those guys that if I can uh, solidify my role in this team, it's only going to help us in the long run. And um, with such great players, you want to just find your role, your niche. And I think I've kind of found that with the special teams and, you know, being the right-handed shot down the middle. All right, and uh, like I said, good on the penalty kill. I-, I thought he's been pretty strong there. Quick to pucks, doing a good job clearing, helped get a shorthanded goal for Kara the other night on the power play. Obviously, the power play hasn't been good, but he's been trying to fill that uh, off-wing spot on the on the left side. And, you know, oftentimes you talk with players, they, they got to find a role. they, they got to know what it is that they do. they got to know who they are on the team. I think Ryan Strom is more comfortable at center. And on this team... If, if he's going to stick around and be here a while, then it's probably going to be as the third-line center. You know, on a team like this, you're, the number one center is pretty locked up on this team. I think that's safe to say. The number two center, I mean, 
Nugent Hopkins, Drysaddle, whoever it is. I mean, those guys are, I mean, they're world-class players, those guys. So, you know, for me, you know, playing that third line, I think for me, if anything, is not settled in. It's pushing to be as good as those guys. And I think um, that's my mindset. I think you look at the great teams that have won lately. And, you know, I remember Pittsburgh back in the day. They had Jordan Stahl, I think, as their third line center. And, you know, he was a good player. And he tried to be as good as Crosby and Malkin. You have to push yourself. And, you know, in practice, I'm on the, you know, I usually have a white jersey on. Those guys have a blue jersey. I try to compete against them every day. And um, that's a challenge for me to get better. So it may sound kind of cliche, but you always want to be better than those guys. You want to try to be as good as them, and that's only going to help the team. All right. Well, hopefully he can keep helping the team because he's doing a lot better lately, and Coach McClellan also commented on Strom finding a role. It's hard when you come in as a top 5, 7, 10 pick. You're expected to produce uh, like Connor does or like Leon or Patrick Liney, Matthews, those type of guys you can go on and on. Um, and you're usually evaluated based on numbers. So in, in Ryan's case, his numbers aren't uh, that significant. So there, in turn, becomes a negative uh, feel around him. And, um, you know, we expected him to produce when he came in here, not certainly at that level, but even there we, uh, we didn't get enough from him um, and uh, began to feel negative. I think over the last month, uh, month a little, when we put him in the middle, when he's uh, continually commanded his own line, um, maybe not been up in the top six, but in the in the six, or seven, eight, nine role, um, I thought he's contributed well. We've given more re- defensive responsibilities with some penalty kill, and I think we've seen his best hockey in the past three weeks to a month. Well, have to agree with that. He is has not been an inconsequential player. He's been making an impact on games, checking better, helping on special teams. So hopefully Strom will continue to do that. His point total, unlikely it's ever going to match Jordan Eberle's in an individual season, but hopefully he can find a way to help the Oilers in other ways. Starting to do that. Won't be in the playoffs this season, but uh, hopefully down the road he can keep doing that. Your Oilers update for Nisku Ford. Every model on sale every day. Nisku Ford above expectations. Ethan Bear remains with the team. Uh, we'll see if he plays tomorrow against the Islanders. I wouldn't be surprised if the Oilers give him a couple of more games before sending him back to Bakersfield. Milan Lucic is questionable for tomorrow night's game as he is getting over an illness. Unrelated topic here, but uh, I'm glad somebody brought this up. This is a text from Aaron. He says, why don't officials ever get interviewed after the game and questioned about their questionable calls? Aaron, I'm glad you brought that up because I have a clip pertaining to it. Gary Bettman was here last week. I got to interview him during the first intermission. I think it was the game against Nashville. And I said, would you ever have referees do post-game interviews? No. Uh, frankly, at the at the end of the day, uh, if an explanation is required for a play, uh, we do it in real time out of the Toronto office where hockey operations and officials is based uh, and uh, in this era of media and social media and every word being scrutinized our officials aren't used to dealing with the media and I think that would lend more confusion I think the more important point is our officials do a terrific job they're the best officials in all the sports they're the best hockey officials in the world uh, but it's a human game uh, coaches make mistakes players make mistakes we strive for consistency we don't like mistakes if you make too many of them obviously you don't have a future as an official but at the end of the day overwhelmingly if you put aside a rooting interest overwhelmingly they're getting the calls right uh with all the extensive video that there is uh it's clear that they're right even when lots of people with a rooting interest think that they're wrong uh, but they do occasionally make an error and there are judgment calls and judgment calls tend to be subjective depending on who you're rooting for okay. 
All right, so that's the commissioner, and uh, no, I don't think he's going to change his mind on that. It is 6.45. You can uh, text 6.30, the phone number 780-496-0063. We're going to catch up with Sean Burke. He was the general manager of the Canadian men's Olympic hockey team that got bronze. That's when we come back inside Sports on Chet. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Now 4-0, Calgary leading Buffalo eight minutes into the second period. Sean Monahan has his 30th big games for the Flames down the stretch here, currently out of the playoffs, and remember they still play the Oilers twice. Well, this is a treat. Serious Gord on the open line. Go ahead, Gord. Uh, just on the refereeing thing, uh, I uh, very much agree with what Gary is saying, Mr. Pepman is saying. They are the greatest refs. Uh, they're held to a very high standard, um, and it's possibly the hardest game to referee there is from the standpoint of the speed. But one thing I'd like to see him resurrect or bring back is name bars on the back of the refs' uh, you know, uh, uh, jerseys. Um, they still do it in Junior A, right? And Hating the refs is part of the entertainment, in my opinion. And if we can know the names of the refs and we can single them out and hate them all the more because they're consistently wrong or whatever, that's part of the game, in my opinion. I'm curious what you think about that, Reed. He took the name bars off when they went on strike, and I, but I do wish they were name bars. Agreed. So he took them off from a, from a punishment standpoint. To be vindictive, yes. Yeah, so, so you guys couldn't get, get any fame or notoriety. You couldn't be Kerry Fraser or... Andy Van Halleband and any of that stuff. I mean, if we put people uh, refs into the Hall of Fame now, we're not even know who the hell these guys are. It, it, I, I think it's a great shame that we don't. They are part of the game, and they deserve to be recognized for being good or for being bad. Anyway, that's my thoughts. <laughs> All right. Thanks, buddy. Okay. Thanks, Gord. Appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate it. Serious Gord checking in tonight. Short and sweet. He usually talks a little longer. He caught me off guard. Uh... <laughs> Uh, Jeff says clearly easier for players to excel when the playoffs are a dream and he also says a better team never complains about the refs well that's true usually if things are going your way you don't uh, complain about the calls as much do we have time to get Sean in here Kellen? we do want to get him in Sean Burke been on the program a few times general manager of the team that won bronze the canadian men's hockey team at the olympics in south korea sean good to have you back on the show how are you doing i'm good reed how are you doing i'm doing very well it's good to talk to you again uh ran into you obviously at uh, at rogers place a couple months before the olympics so i know we got to to talk then about the the team you were putting together and the and the medal color you were hoping to win uh look with the tournament in the in the books and uh, obviously a, a pretty competitive tournament all around uh, you know, you guys toughed it out, got the bronze medal. Just, uh, I know it's still kind of fresh, but uh, how do you assess how the team did, and uh, how do you feel about the whole experience? Well, it was a great experience. Uh, you know, I think that uh, obviously one one goal uh, was gold, and, and that's something you always have when you're representing Canada. But you know, we also knew that this was going to be an incredibly tough tournament. Uh, we had played a lot of the teams during the year. Uh, we knew the competition was really good, and I think that at the end of the day, uh, when we look back on this, uh, the team played extremely well, and uh, way, the way we bounced back for that bronze medal game and beat the Czechs, I think that uh, the guys have a lot to be proud of. 
Yeah, well, for sure. And I know the guys seem really, really grateful to get that, that bronze medal. Do, do you... Uh, but I mean, look, the, you know, Canadian hockey is always going to be criticized if it's not gold. This was a different tournament because it, it wasn't the pros. Um, does some the some of this, and, and I think it was a very small group of people, Sean. But does does it bounce off you say, when people say it's gold or nothing, or how do you deal with some of those comments? No, I, I you know I obviously understand the uh, the expectations. We we ourselves had uh, expectations that. Uh, you know, wanted to win a gold medal, but I, but I think that you know we also are realistic. I mean, you look at that tournament. Uh, you know, you've got the Finns, the Swedes, the Czechs. Uh, those those three teams in particular going home without a medal. And uh, you know, our, our team uh, at the end of the day, we played extremely well. Uh, we beat the Finns there. We you know we beat the Czechs, uh, the Swiss to open it. We played extremely well. We had one period and a half of bad hockey against the Germans and once we got it going it was too late but uh, overall I think if you're looking at the big picture uh, that team uh, played extremely hard the guys uh, competed and we were right there the, the, the disappointing part is that uh, you know we, we were a German uh, win away from uh, going against the Russians for the gold medal and that's something that uh, obviously doesn't sit well but the guys did respond and found a way to get that bronze medal you know, I know obviously you were incredibly prepared and you got the players you wanted. Once the tournament started rolling, did anything surprise you? Did anything, you see anything that maybe you didn't expect, either from your team or from uh, the competition? Well, I don't think we saw anything we didn't expect. You know, we knew every game would be tight. We knew that even teams uh, that in the past that didn't feel they had a chance, uh, the Germans being a good example. Uh, that those countries now felt that uh, they were right in the thick of things. And so uh, there was no surprises at how uh, competitive the tournament was. I, you know, I think when we look back on it, um, you know, for us, uh, yeah, we, we were happy with our preparation. Um, you know, I think we're happy with the way guys competed. At the end of the day, uh, you know, it's it's a lesson, but unfortunately you don't get to, don't get a do-over. And the, and the game against the Germans... Um, you know, we were so focused on the Finns uh, for the for the crossover for the quarterfinal game um, that when we won that game, uh, there was a little bit of a letdown, and that's sometimes that's natural, but uh, it's it's a hard lesson to learn. And uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, for our guys, you don't get a chance at it again. Yeah, well, those short tournaments too, right? It's not a not a best of seven, right? You don't get a chance to wear the other team down. No, and. Uh, you know, I think that uh, when we when we looked at the preliminary round, you know, we lost the checks in a shootout was our was our loss. And because of that game, we drew the Finns uh, for the quarterfinal, which is a really tough quarterfinal. But uh, you know, we thought, well, that's you know, that's a little unfortunate. But the guys, to their credit, uh, came up with a big game. We beat Finland, and you know, now you're into a, a semifinal against a team like Germany that you expect to beat, but. You know, the Germans themselves, they had just beat the Swedes the game before that to knock Sweden out. So they were coming in playing extremely well, and uh, they caught us early in that game. We just couldn't we couldn't make up for it. But uh, there was a lot of good hockey and performances. And uh, day, like I said, I was very proud of that group. I thought they played very well. Sean Burke joining us on Inside Sports. He was the general manager of the Canadian Olympic men's hockey team. Obviously, they uh, brought a bronze medal home from South Korea. And, and you know, Sean, maybe a, a positive for this, and, and one thing I heard a lot of people say to me is, 
uh, oh yeah, I remember him, or oh yeah, I like that guy. And you know, there were some guys on the team who were Oilers recently, who were in the NHL recently. Some guys maybe who we haven't seen for a few years. But uh, I don't, I don't know if you found this, but I, I found it kind of neat for a lot of fans maybe to reconnect with uh, with players they used to cheer for or admired when they were playing here in North America. Because a lot of these Canadian guys, they don't go away, right? They don't disappear when they leave the NHL. A lot of times they're making a pretty good living and, and working pretty hard in, in Europe or other parts of the world. Yeah, I thought that was uh, something a lot of people had said to me, too, that they, they really enjoyed seeing guys that they had lost touch with, guys they didn't know were still playing, and yet uh, when, you, when you watched our team play, uh, a lot of those guys are still very good hockey players, and they've found a way to continue their careers and uh, take different paths, but uh, what a thrill for them to be able to get an opportunity to play in the Olympics, that something they never thought would happen, and uh, that to me was probably the most enjoyable part of the whole experience, was was just watching guys who had worked extremely hard and had sort of been left off uh, of a lot of teams' lists, uh, ended up in Europe, and, and yet they there playing at the Olympics representing Canada. And I thought that was, uh, that was really enjoyable to see. Sean Burke joining us on Inside Sports. All right, I should, uh, I should touch base here. Are you going to stick with Hockey Canada for a while? Would you like to be involved with uh, this year's World Championship team? And, and hey, I, I, people tell me all the time I get ahead of myself with some of my questions, so you can tell me if that's the case. But uh, could something else be on the, on the menu here with the Maple Leaf in the near future? Well, you know, I always enjoy any opportunity I have to work with uh, Hockey Canada. And, you know, my deal with them uh, this last year and a half was, was up till the Olympics. Um, and so now I've continued to work uh, with Montreal. I'm back watching games here. I'll, uh, I'll do some scouting here the rest of the season. But, you know, the World Championships have been involved the last three years uh, and, and have always enjoyed that. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it here in the next couple of weeks. I know a lot of Hockey Canada's management is back over in, uh, in South Korea for the Paralympics, and, uh, and when they get back, we'll discuss it. But, uh, you know, I always say it, and I, I think I'll, I'll never stop saying it, but every opportunity I have to work with uh, Team Canada and Hockey Canada, I always enjoy it. All right. Well, you're, uh, and as you know, you're you're not the Burke who gets interviewed most on Inside Sports. That would belong to your son Brendan, who's a goaltender with the U of A Golden Bears. Yeah, so here's another uh, future question: Is is a trip to the national tournament in your future? Because they're playing there next week. <laughs> yeah, I've got my flight uh, already booked. I'm going to head head east this week and watch some NHL games, and then once I'm down in Toronto. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll make the trip over to Fredericton and, and, and watch that tournament. I really enjoyed it last year. I thought it was excellent hockey. Um, you know, U of A didn't have the result they wanted, but I still stuck around and watched all the games. And uh, I was very impressed with the uh, level of hockey and the intensity. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I think, uh, you know, talking to Brendan, uh, he feels his team's ready and, and uh, they learned the lesson last year. So let's see how they do this year. Yeah, right on. Yeah, hopefully they do great. Sean, thanks for making time for us. I know you're busy, but I'm just great to get. It's great to get your thoughts wrapping up the uh, the Olympic tournament. Congratulations again on the bronze, and I'm sure we'll run into each other again soon. Okay, Reed. Thanks anytime. I appreciate it. Thank you. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.